Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. The conversation about gun violence continues. Is it the guns? Or is it our innate propensity towards violence? Our litany last Sunday of the 64 mass shootings since November of 2018, and let me tell you there were more this week in case you hadn't heard, it's a grim reminder. We haven't figured this out yet. The solution for gun violence continues to elude us. Our first scripture today comes from Leviticus 19.16, and if you've read the Old Testament, and I'm sure most of you have, you know there's lots of laws against cheeseburgers and tattoos and things like that that we don't literally pay attention to as much anymore. But this one addresses violence and the vices included that mankind is especially prone to. So I want to ask you, who do you think is your neighbor? And what do you think it means to stand idly? Leviticus 19.16 You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand idly by when the blood of your neighbor is at stake. I am the Lord. Additionally, I have a scripture for those of you who've read Isaiah, and I'm sure most of you have. You know Isaiah calls out to people from God to help us be better humans. Dr. Susan Thistlethwaite, professor of theology and president, president emerita of Chicago Theological Seminary, holds that American worship, Americans really worship great God gun. So she reimagined God's response to this idolatry via the profound words of Isaiah 58. Shout out, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Why does the United States worship guns instead of God? Yet day after day they seek me and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why do you go to all these churches, but you do not see? Why do you humble yourselves, but you do not notice? Look, you serve your own interest on your worship day, and then just do the bidding of the gun industry. Look, you pray, and then you go out to buy and sell guns and make it easier for many to commit mass murder. Such prayers as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the worship that I choose a day to make it easier to sell guns? Is it to bow down the head in prayer and then call for prayers for gun victims? 
Will you call these prayers a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the prayers that I choose to free the nation from the yoke of the gun industry, to undo the fraudulent interpretation of the Second Amendment, to let those who fear guns in their neighborhoods be freed and to overturn the gun lobbies? Is it not to share your opposition to out-of-control guns with your neighbors and to bring better policy to our nation? When you see those in terror of gun violence, protect them and keep them safe. Then your light shall break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help and God will say, here I am. For the last two weeks, I've had a feeling of helplessness. I feel as if I have no control. Those are two ideas that can actually create a sense of depression within human beings. This feeling of like, well, no matter what I do, I'm not going to make a difference. We want to make a difference. We want to be in control. We want a sense of security, of knowing that what we're doing in the world that we're living in is okay. And we're kidding ourselves if we say that for the last two weeks, we haven't been okay. We haven't been okay for decades, folks. Decades. Because gun violence and violence in general is on the rise. This has happened before in the history of our young nation, and it's happening again. This time we're far more aware of it because of social media versus 30, 40 years ago. But it just appears that as gun violence continues, and I'm talking gun violence not just limited to mass shootings. I'm talking gun violence that happens in homes when usually a male will pull a gun on his partner. I'm talking about violence that takes place when the majority of successful suicides are by guns. Homicides by guns. Mass shootings are terrible, but they actually are rare compared to the gun violence that we continue to see dominating our society. I was speaking with one of our church members last week, and we were talking about the incident that took place at the school down in Texas. And she said to me, well, it'll happen again. And I could hear the helplessness and the depression in her voice. 
Not only does gun violence affect our emotional state of being, but anytime we experience either personally or through the mass media, the awareness of gun violence, it creates a strain within us. So let's be honest with each other. I personally believe that the majority of human beings are good people. The majority of us, when we see an opportunity to help someone, we want to help. It's called the Good Samaritan impulse. We have that innately within us. Again, and probably somehow through evolution, it's become a part of us that my survival is dependent upon your survival. But more and more, people feel this tension within themselves because on one side, they feel this desire to help those in need who are being threatened. Their well-being is, is in jeopardy. And yet on the other side, if we're honest, we're scared. We are told by the media, we are told by gun manufacturers, we are told by gun ranges that we live in a scary world. And after a period of time, we begin to believe that. So we have these two factors going on in our life. On one side, we want to help other people. On the other side, we're scared. And we don't know what to do about that. More and more people, because of this tension, this strain that they experience in their life, are turning to the gun. After every mass shooting, there is an increase in cells when it comes to guns. Because that idea that that could happen to me or someone that I love and care about, I need to protect myself and to protect others. That is a part of what we are experiencing right now. Today, there are individuals who call the society we're currently living in gun culture 2.0. So if you want to know what gun culture 1.0 is, think about in the day when, when you thought of guns, perhaps when you were a child, and you thought of guns, you usually thought of hunters. The majority of advertisement for guns was for the hunter and the recreational shooter. That's how they made their money. That was their market. But over the last couple of decades, we've seen this shift begin to take place, and more individuals are buying guns for the first time. And when they're asked, why are you purchasing this weapon? 67% of them say that they're buying that weapon for self-protection or the protection of others. We're scared, we're afraid. We're afraid of each other. And we believe that that answer is in a gun. And this is true also for Christians. 
But when we talk about Christians and guns, it raises some real strong issues. Guns is a complex issue. And if you read the literature, you'll find both sides being represented by the Christian community. There are those who would like us to lessen the laws on guns, make them easier to access, and they believe that a proliferation of guns, more than what we currently have, which, by the way, we have more guns in America than we do people. But they believe that even more guns in the hands of our citizens will protect us. And they use the Bible to support it. For example, if you said, well, doesn't Jesus say that we are to turn the other cheek? And they would say, yes. But the way they would interpret that would be, we are not to retaliate. That's what the scripture is teaching, not the idea that we can't defend ourselves. And then there's people on the other side who believe the answer is stronger gun laws. Christians who are pacifists. And they look to scriptures where Jesus, when he is arrested, one of the people in his group takes out a sword and cuts off the ear of the, one of the soldiers, and Jesus says, stop, put it away. If you use the sword, you're going to die by the sword. But then the other Christian over here go, but you forgot that part right before in the same chapter where Jesus says, look, to his followers, didn't I send you out and tell you not to take anything with you? Food, clothes, nothing. And they said, yes. And Jesus asked them, and you were okay? Yes. And according to the text, Jesus says, well, things have changed. If you don't have a sword, I suggest you sell your cloak and go buy one. And his followers say, oh, well, we already have two swords with us. And Jesus replies, that should be enough. Christians, both sides on this issue, use the Bible to support their arguments. But perhaps the greatest example of the tension that we experience within our own lives between self-defense, protecting ourselves and others, versus this good Samaritan wanting to help other people, the greatest example of that was in a recent interview with the rabbi of the Tree of Life synagogue where the shooting took place. In talking with the rabbi, he said that he found himself conflicted. He is an adamant supporter of stronger gun control laws. Adamant. But yet at the same time, he has armed security at his synagogue every Shabbat. And he said the ideal is if we can find members of our synagogue who are willing to be armed and trained and volunteer to be a, an armed security guard. 
Volunteers. And when asked why, he said, because they know our members. And they can recognize a stranger. And so this tension between on one side saying we got to stop this and on the other side we have to protect each other is a real tension. Now, as many of you know me by now, I do not believe it is my role to stand up here and tell you what position you ought to take when it comes to guns and gun control. I have my own position. And I will just briefly share it with you. I used to be an adamant gun enthusiast, especially in the area of recreation. But after all of these events that have been tra transpiring about 25 years ago, I decided that I would no longer have ammunition in my house. I have a single action 22 revolver that was given to me by my dad on my 16th birthday. I still own it. And I thought about giving it to one of my grandchildren. Not anymore. When it comes to gun control, I think we can do a better job. That's for me personally, where I stand as your pastor. But again, my role is not to tell you what you have to believe. Because I know of many people that enjoy hunting as Christians, who enjoy recreational shooting as Christians, and I know Christians, and I don't know of any of our members, but I know of Christians who actually carry a weapon for their own protection or the protection of others. So I can't tell you what you ought to do. But as your pastor, I can share with you three spiritual insights for you to consider as you decide what your position will be. Number one, foster empathy. Now, there's a difference between sympathy and empathy. Sympathy is when I feel from you from my perspective. When something terrible happens in your life and I think, oh, I feel sad, therefore they must be feeling sad. That's sympathy. I take what I'm feeling from my perspective and I put that on you. Empathy sets aside what I'm feeling and completely invests itself in what the other person is experiencing. And the only way you can show empathy is by listening and being present for the other person. And so I think one of the things you have to consider in your decision to own a gun or to support or not support stricter gun laws is to ask yourself, does my position foster empathy? And the reason why that is so important is more and more today, the gun industry 
is not promoting empathy. What, in my opinion, they are doing is creating two things that go hand in hand. Creating instant response and dehumanizing. There was a movie, there is a movie out a few years ago entitled American Sniper. The main actor, his name is Kyle. And he's told by his dad that there are three types of people in the world. First, there are the sheep. And the sheep, they're just kind of ignorant. They are not fully aware of the violence that exists in our world. Therefore, they have no need to protect themselves. And then there are wolves. Wolves are those individuals who have no problem perpetrating crime against another person. Wolves like to attack sheep. And then there's that third group. A third group that is blessed with a certain amount of aggression, a certain amount of courage. They're the sheepdogs. And when a wolf comes around, it is their job to protect the sheep. That idea that we can take a human being that commits crimes and label them as a wolf says a lot about how we see each other. Remember that nursery story? Little Red Riding Hood and the Big Bad Wolf. So if I can see other people as my, who are my enemy as someone who is not really human, then it's easier to act against them. The military learned this after World War I. A fascinating study was done after World War I. And what they looked at was the fire rate of soldiers in battle. The fire rate of a soldier using their guns in battle during World War I was only 15 to 20%. That means 15 to 20% of the time they shot their weapon. The rest of the time, didn't shoot it. Or when they did shoot, they shot over people. military realized they had a problem. And they took it back to the way that they train people. The way that they train people used to be setting up a target with a bullseye in it on a distance on a hill. And they realized it wasn't working when they went into battle. Because either they wouldn't fire their weapon, and when they did fire their weapon, they had, they had no desire to kill someone. 
So they came up with an idea. What if we changed the target's appearance and we made it into the silhouette of a human being? And instead of just having it out there, we'll have our soldiers walk, and as they walk, all of a sudden, these silhouettes will pop up. And they have to react. As time went on, they found that this was successful. In Korea, the no-shoot rate I mean, I'm sorry, the shoot rate was 65%. That big of a jump. In Vietnam, it rose to 90 to 95%. And they attributed it that individuals in this training scenario where these silhouettes would pop up and some of them actually had a picture of a human being on the face of a silhouette. Others had shirts on the, on the target. They found that if they could get their soldiers just to react, that coupled with dehumanizing the enemy, another human being, they would be more productive in killing on the battlefield. What's amazing is that if you decided to go and purchase a gun and start carrying it and you wanted to get a self-defense class with a weapon, more than likely, that's the kind of training you're going to get. That'll be part of it. They want you to be able to react at a time rather than think through the process that I'm actually pulling this weapon and by pulling my trigger, I'm using a lethal object to kill another human being. We need to foster empathy toward each other. And by dehumanizing and turning gun use into just a reaction and not thinking does not Help us do that. Number two, does your position on guns promote social flourishing? We are social creatures. We desire to be in community with each other. That's important to us. So does your position on guns and gun control, does it foster, does it promote social flourishing? Now again, there will be some individuals who will say that the way that we find social flourishing is to make sure that everyone is safe, and the way to do that is to make sure everyone's carrying a weapon. But then there, there's other individuals who say, no, that as much as I honor your right to carry a gun, no matter how we understand the Second Amendment, if I value your right to do that, 
then I hope that as a society, we will value life and the pursuit of happiness, which includes a desire to be safe in your home and in your community. So whatever your position is on guns and gun control, does it promote social flourishing? Will society be better because of the position that you hold? And then my third spiritual insight is that does your view of guns and gun control align with your view of humanity? Your view of God? And your view of what it means to be a Christian? One Christian I was reading said the following, it's not a gun problem. It's a sin problem. The point is, guns don't do anything. Someone, a sinful person, has to pick them up with sinful intentions to do something. The challenge with that argument is that for 2,000 years since Jesus was here on this earth, Why does this continue to be a problem for humanity? Violence. Well, their response would be, well, the only solution is that someday God will fix it and make everyone okay. I'm not sure if that's the answer. I think the answer is us. In making sure that our view about guns and gun control align with what it is we believe about one another. You see, if I believe that all humanity is inherently evil, then that will affect my worldview. If I believe that we are inherently good, that will impact my worldview and how we treat one another. Same with God. Do you believe that God protects us? Do you believe that God intervenes in people's lives? No matter your answer, please understand that, no matter your answer, have you taken the time to reason through, not only intellectually, but think it through emotionally to sit with that and ask yourself, does my view of God tie into my position on guns and gun control? Now, when it comes to Jesus, I'm sorry, but <laughs> you can make the Bible say pretty much anything. It's really hard to go to the Bible and interpret it with, with a, a 
a clean slate. We all have our biases we bring to the text. And as much as we try to set them aside, they're going to influence it. And you in the area of guns and gun control, you can find people that read the Bible two different ways and a ton of ways in between. So my question for you is you personally Your idea of Jesus, does it align with your view of guns and gun control? We have three church members who said the answer for that for them was yes. And they approached me and they asked me, if we could, as a community, come together and sign a petition asking for stronger laws around gun control. I shared with them my position as your pastor, and that is when it comes to social justice issues, I will make you aware of those issues, and I have no problem sharing what I believe on those issues, but also I will respect your opinion even if I agree or disagree with you. So I won't take the lead on something like this. But if members come together and they say, Pastor, this is important to us, then it's my job to listen and support them. And so my way of supporting them is allowing us as a community to decide for ourselves if we want as a community to come together and sign that. But that has to be an individual choice. So after this service, there will be an individual out there with a piece of paper for you to sign if you choose to send to our legislation to encourage them to stand for stronger gun control. But that has to be your choice. And I hope it's an informed decision that is taken into consideration that will foster empathy, that will promote social cohesion and flourishing a position that aligns with your view of humanity, God, and Christianity. One writer, in talking about the differences that exist within Christianities, said the following, What both sides have in common is the belief that God wants us to preserve life. Can, can you agree with that? That God wants us to preserve life. Now here's the question for you to ponder. If God desires us to preserve life, the question you must ask yourself, whose life? Whose life are we to preserve? Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. 
You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.